and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. I'm Andrew Slavin and everyone's been talking about Scottish football this week, even Will Smith. Oh, I understand you support uh, Motherwell. It's Motherwell, right? And apparently Celtic were playing Rangers at the weekend. We'll be joined by Hayley McQueen from Sky Sports to discuss the Glasgow Derby experience. But it's not all about Rodgers and Gerrard this weekend. We'll be joined by the top scorer in British football this season, Queen of the South striker Stephen Dobby, who took his tally to a whopping 18 goals this season. Plus, for the first time in 25 years, Furhill was haunted by the ghost goal. Throw it. What's he given? What on earth is he given? And Scotland have a new captain. More on that later. Seeing as we are now embarking on an international break, we decided to speak to the former Scotland manager. Gordon Strachan is on the Totally Scottish Football Show. He'll be talking to us about the cream of the crop in Scotland, from McGinn to McKenna. And I've got the cream of the crop alongside me in the studio. It's JJ Bull from The Telegraph and making his debut, formerly of the Mail Online, now working for Kicker Media, it's Anthony Joseph. How you doing, man? I'm all right, yourself? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I hear you were at Celtic Park on Sunday. I was. It was, it was, was it good. Nice? It, it was good to be back there, but... Uh... Because you are a Celtic fan, you should yes. probably make this clear. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was very different being at an old firm game where there's not the big away support, and that definitely made a difference to the whole spectacle of it, of what old firm games are, but the atmosphere was still absolutely incredible. It, it felt like a fully charged Champions League game, but with all the hatred there as well. <laughs> that's okay, what I'm glad that's still there. How yeah. many Rangers fans were there then? Is it 800. 800 compared to... Compared to 8,000. Yeah, that's nuts, isn't it? it is and nuts. this is this is because of last season when I think it was Rangers who cut the tickets for Celtic fans, wasn't yeah, it? No, well, it was just ahead of this season. They, oh, really? They've yeah. done it. So um, I think the way Sky and BT had built up after Celtic were pumping them all the time, they were they were just showing Celtic fans celebrating at Ibrox and for about five minutes on Sky, and I think they've just seen that as a think no we're not having this anymore we, we, let's let's get our own fans in there put Celtic fans in the usual away allocation and Celtic have done the same but I hope it goes back to what it was before it's Naismith in the fourth minute who fires hearts in front Ipiezu there done as well came off Willock and it's Naismith again hearts number 14 is at it again Naismith with a chance to secure a hat-trick and he does Let's start with the league leaders. Hearts are the 100 percenters. Four wins out of four this season, keeping them top of the Premiership. Nay bother. They swept aside St Mirren 4-1 at Tynecastle. All of the goals coming in the first half, three of those from Stephen Naismith. Craig Levine went to hospital last weekend with a suspected heart problem. He's not back on the bench yet, but he did pick the team. Assistant manager Austin McPhee was in the dugout and he looks a wee bit like Taylor Hawkins from Foo Fighters, so he's pretty cool in my books. He does look like that. Yeah. I hadn't noticed that before. Yeah. Um, should we talk about Stephen Naismith first of all? He's back in the Scotland squad. Yeah, That's awesome. Good for him. Good. Yeah. I agree. A couple of weeks ago, we were kind of talking about him in a bit of a negative way after the game against Celtic. But when he's been a bam. Yeah. 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 But he's scoring goals, and that's a good thing for Scotland. Yeah. And he was one of... He was one of the main players under Strachan's first campaign when we actually looked good. Scotland had players like Anya, Maloney and... When the hell and was that? <laughs> and, 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 that they actually, that's the start of that campaign when we went so away to Germany. And we, we went away to Poland and Drew. And Naismith was scoring a lot of those goals and very important goals. And he's not the player he was before, but he's 
if he's still scoring goals, then why not have him? Because we don't have many strikers. Well, he was he was used a lot of that time as one of the lone strikers yeah. for Scotland. Uh-huh. But for Hearts, he's playing more of an attacking midfielder, and his creativity for Hearts has yeah. been superb. He's wide left, and he sort of comes inside quite often. Mm-hmm. His hat trick was excellent as well. Um, the penalty, the finish that he ran onto was left foot. I think he, no, right foot. He finished across the keeper with yeah. a one of his feet. Did it very well. <laughs> um, but he was excellent. Saint Mirren are in real trouble. We got to keep talking about Hearts, but um, Saint Mirren made it really easy for them. And again, we talked about this last week. Alan Stubbs's strategy is to put them in some sort of it was a five-three-two something like that this this week. Just basically a, a massive a low block, hit it long and hope to win the second ball. There was no drive, no clear desperation to win the ball back. There's some of the defending, actually it was the midfield who just watched people like go past them. I don't think they look well organised. There's heaps of mistakes everywhere. The positioning is poor, especially defensively. Um, oh, there's one thing I thought was funny about Jimmy Dunn. So... This is a new signing that hurts. Yeah, he scored the the own goal. That's so right. That, that was the other thing about St Mirren that wasn't so great is they didn't end up on the score sheet. Oh no, one of their lone players. It was they were poor. I mean, yeah. But Jimmy Dunn, um, so he signed from Burnley on a six month loan, mm-hmm. and when he signed for Hearts on loan from Burnley, he said, "I did ask a lot of people about it to be honest, but once I heard Hearts, I kind of went with my gut. <laughs> <laughs> That's a worse own goal than the one he scored." <laughs> Hearts top of the league and they deserve to be I know we were sort of laughing a little bit last week we could be put up a title challenge they look really good well, I can't think of a better word than just good and, and I, thought, I thought they'd be considerably weaker without Lafferty but it seems like Naismith's growing with, with Lafferty being mm-hmm. away yeah. and uh, they seem to be doing alright so. Do you know they signed Craig Whiten as well from Dundee yep. so about 250,000 or something they signed him for he was speaking as well saying that the thing with Naismith being there is that he's always moaning that even when they were 4 one up he was still moaning mm-hmm. about stuff people weren't doing on the pitch God you need them yep. to drive you on that's that. That's the head forget like what talent he's got on his feet it's the head and the mentality and the character rings to a team that really makes a huge difference he'll be so important to them throughout the whole season if he can stay fit because like you said if you've got competitive people in your dressing room who have played at a very good level and and Stephen Naismith has played at a very good level I think that was his first hat-trick since he scored a hat-trick against Chelsea for Everton so I mean to have someone like that and that's probably a reason why Whiten has gone to Hearts to learn from someone like him I think that's what you're alluding to he can learn from a really top definitely I mean there's lots of reasons to leave Dundee right now Uh, Alan Stubbs after the game says that uh, he says the players have to learn very quickly I don't want to point the finger individually that stays private we have to do far better again just says to do far better but he also is repeating himself week yes, after yeah. week uh-huh. honestly St Mirren are like you know <laughs> you know when you play Pro Evo against like the computer <laughs> and you put on easy setting to learn the buttons <laughs> that's what it looked like it's not AI oh. it's AL Alan Stubbs it's a <laughs> I like that nice. um, and they could have they could have had um, been playing against 10 men Arnold Joom came on and I mean that's one of the worst challenges I've seen there's no malice I don't think in it Yep, a proper lunge. You could have snapped the boy into a different universe. Yeah, it was a dangerous tackle. And then when you look at Gary Dickers from last week, yes, yeah. Yep. So Dicker doesn't mean anything with it. Doom comes on. And his his boot is about knee high. He's been out injured for ten months. He's probably seeking revenge <laughs> on someone. Well, this is the thing. He didn't mean it. I don't think there was any malice no, in the challenge. I but... don't think so either. I think he just 
but that's those are dangerous challenges. And one of the things I don't like when when I've played at a dreadful level of eleven aside football is when people have no control over what they're doing. I don't mind mm. if you're bad at football mm. or you're trying mm. to, but if you have no control over things you're doing and it's maybe not overly aggressive, but it, it's endangering a fellow professional and that is not good. The goals that Hart scored, a lot of them are balls to the box, kind of pinball stuff. Defending, no one's getting rid of the first ball, no one's getting rid of the second ball. People not following anyone it is so poor, and I don't think Stubbs has got a handle of it. There's rumours now that he's getting maybe maybe being asked to leave during this international break. Now, wouldn't you believe it? As soon as we'd finished recording and we'd packed everything up and left the building, St Mirren told Alan Stubbs to do exactly the same thing. He has now been sacked as manager of St Mirren, uh, which doesn't really sound that surprising after how well their, their season has gone so far. Front runners to replace them are said to believe to include a mop with a bucket with a face drawn on it and perhaps some of the um, superstars like Guti of Real Madrid fame who originally applied for the job in the first place but didn't get it because they didn't know Scottish football well enough. Hopefully they can get someone who knows a little bit more than Alan Stubbs appears to. Unfortunate end to Alan Stubbs' managerial career at St Mirren. Edward could set Forrest up here. The first Old Firm game of the season and it was business as usual for Brendan Rodgers. He's unbeaten in all 12 of his derby matches now. Olivier in Cham with the only goal of the game in the second half as Celtic moved into second place in the table. We're joined now by the women that hosted the biggest match of the weekend in Britain. It's Hayley McQueen of Sky Sports. Hello Hayley, how are you? Hello, thanks for having me on. Obviously, there's, there was a lot of anticipation going into this game. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel in the lead-up to this match? What was what was the atmosphere there like? I just I think it felt a little bit different. It felt special. Um, Glasgow derbies always do, obviously. There's a kind of different build-up that you have to them because you've got a newspaper that you can't get away from. When I head up to Scotland a couple of days before the game, it's literally everywhere. It's it's everything that anyone's talking about. You get into a taxi, like, which side are you? I'm like, don't worry, I'm neutral. I'm working on it for the telly. But yeah, I think it was an optimal time to play Celtic for Rangers, but perhaps there was too much hype, people say. I was hoping for a really competitive game. Um, we didn't quite get that, although 1-0 obviously looks slightly better than 5-0, that's for sure. But I just think the subplot with the whole Stephen Gerrard and, and Brenton Rodgers going head-to-head obviously just added to that as well and just made it that little bit more exciting. I think we all know they didn't have the best relationship when it came to the end of Stephen Gerrard's career at Liverpool. So it was like, this job comes up at this time in his career, he's not going to turn down the chance of heading to a big club like Rangers and the chance as well to try and knock Celtic off their perch, even if it's just one game where they managed to get something out of it. But obviously it, it didn't quite work out as, as Stephen Gerrard planned. On, uh, on Gerrard, I know um, Graham mm. Souness was on the weekend. He was saying that um, he hasn't. He feels like he hasn't really talked about Scottish football with anyone down in England. He's been working in, in years, I think he mm. said. Do you think... What do you, well, what do you think just Gerard's done with the profile of the game? Do you think it's legitimised it somewhat? I, I wonder whether there's quite a lot of Liverpool narrative going on. It sort of takes away from the, the magnitude of it in Scotland. Yeah, I think it definitely does. I think having any 
any big name, I mean, he's not a big name in terms of a big name manager is his first managerial role, but having an icon of the game mm. in charge, I think all the Liverpool supporters who, who, who love him because he's still a hero on Merseyside want to see him do well. So you've got them keeping an eye on Rangers, which is them having an interest in Scottish football. So it can only be good. Plus also, hopefully, it opens up the door as well for other managers who are just narrow-minded potentially about looking at England. And that's it. Well, there isn't just England. There is a league in Scotland that is competitive, unpredictable, definitely fun. Yeah, there might not be as much money in it as in, in England, but Stephen Gerrard's proved that Scottish clubs will give new coaches a chance, and, and luckily he hasn't blown it yet. I know it's. I think it's Rangers' worst start to a, a Premier League campaign since 1989, which doesn't make for good reading. Although it doesn't feel like that at the moment. It doesn't mm. feel like they haven't had a great start uh, to the season because he was unbeaten until this game. It kind of feels like they have. Mm. Um, but I definitely think um, that a gravitas to it. There's definitely a lot more interest. Graham's abs- absolutely right in what he says. I've had so many people talk to me about. Uh, this game that I, I wouldn't have really chatted to about, I don't know, Motherwell taking on Hamilton or something <laughs> in, in the past. Brendan Rogers said after the game the score didn't reflect Celtic's dominance. Um, yeah. Steven Gerrard has came out and said that Rangers were actually the better team in the second half and that he's brought a spotlight to the referee, which is always the most mm-hmm. interesting player on the pitch sometimes. I mean, there were a few little niggly little things that you could have potentially pulled out of the game, but I don't think that decision had any bearing on the overall outcome of the result. I think Celtic were going to win anyway. They had 75% of the possession in the first half, so and I think that tells you who was dominant in, in every area. I think at one point, we, I was running out of paper for, for how many um, <laughs> corners they were given yeah. it, got like, what, it got to like 11 at one point I think this is just getting a bit ridiculous now and obviously it was the Bar and McGregor that pretty much saved Rangers I don't think Rangers did have a good first half at all yes the second half was a lot better we kept the shape a bit better they obviously learned from the first half quite quickly but after the first 15 minutes it was like no this isn't they're not going to lose this with the amount of chances that they had Fantastic Hayley hopefully get to speak to you on here again soon Yes, thank you very much, guys. Thanks so much. Take Sorry care. Bye-bye. Bye. I think Stephen Gerrard approached this in exactly the right way. He tried to do a, basically a Jose Mourinho on it. He did uh, what most Premier League teams who are the away team against the, in theory, superior team would do. Sat with a low block in the first half. Their defensive line was too deep. That's why they kept getting waves and waves and waves of pressure coming onto them. And they couldn't really get out of their, their own half. You wait and you try and just... Stay in the game till the final 15 minutes and that's when you always get a chance. So they had that draining game in Russia midweek. They have 10 men for most of the game, wasn't it? For most of the game, but then went down to nine for, I think, the final oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. couple of minutes. <laughs> right, again, that was kind of funny, but they, they came out of it really well. Like going down to nine men, any team doing that is funny. Out of all this hard work they put into the game, Celtic have got all the possession. They are just totally... It was 75% like Hayley McQueen was saying. They were much better in that second half, as we've said, because of the things they were doing. They were winning the ball better. They were keeping passes. Ryan Jack was excellent in the six, mm-hmm. keeping the ball moving. I've heard him being slagged off saying he's not a destroyer. He's not a destroyer. He's the little guy who keeps the ball moving and yeah. takes it. It's neat and tidy. Exactly. Yeah. I thought he was brilliant. Um, then there's a foul, and it is a foul, because 
I'm, I'm waiting for you. <laughs> it's it's, Could, it's, a, ask, debatable, it's a debatable yeah. incident, and that's why we're here. Do you two guys think that the um, the goal, the incident between Rogic and Jack? I think you are going to find that everyone is split on it. Yes. Yeah. I think it's all down to interpretation. I personally feel that there was not enough contact for me as a foul. I think if... Uh, it happened to Celtic. Celtic fans would say it's a foul. Mm-hmm. I am not saying that that's a foul. Tony, I think, uh, yeah, I think it looks worse in slow motion. It, it looks like there's more there's contact that could knock him over in, in in slow motion. But I think at the time, it's. I think Jack also kind of jumps into Roger. His uh, shin clips onto Roger's foot. So from in the ground, I didn't even see it as anything I just saw it as it, just well, like yeah, a yeah, it, didn't, it looked like they just kind of both fell into each other Rogic got up he went on and uh, started the counter attack that's that's all you saw in real time But uh, you know like... you know that saying swings and roundabouts uh-huh. I know that Scott Brown for instance in the first half was yellow carded for more the intent of the tackle because there was no contact but I understand why he got a booking what you've done there is you've You've not mentioned that it's a Willie Collum refereed game. It doesn't, it doesn't exist in the same reality well, as any other sport or human yeah, or think... animal. It is a foul because what happens is Jack is looking for the ball in a key part of the pitch. Mm-hmm. Rangers um, are in an attacking shape, mm-hmm. so it's you no, know, they're being caught in transition if they lose this. When Jack falls to the ground, regardless of the bounce, that's a fifty-fifty. That's fine, not a foul. Rogic's left foot swings out unnaturally and it just catches him just enough. Tiny bit of contact. I know it's not a lot, but it's a tiny bit. And that makes him not be able to stand on the pitch the way he would as a human stands up, right? Right? And Brian Jack is a human, contrary to... (laughs) So he he lands on the ground, but he falls. And slow motion makes it look worse, but it is a foul. Michael Stewart was saying it last night as well. Like, I totally agree... If you're playing five aside or something, right? Imagine, and you're just you're landing, and someone just comes out playing eleven aside. It doesn't matter the sport. Who cares? It kicks out at you, knocks the standing leg, and he falls to the ground. He goes down. If that is Ibrox, that is a foul every time. He didn't kick out. It was a challenge for the ball. It wasn't a kick. Though, it wasn't Andrew. a challenge for the ball. He, he wasn't in control of the ball. The ball was bouncing, and he jumps to try and control the yeah, ball. They, he misses the ball. He misses the ball, so he's not in control <laughs> of it. Yeah, sorry, they, yeah, they, they both kind of jump into it. So you're saying that like, I've heard people say there's a, a, he swiped out, he kicked out, he didn't kick out. No, his he's, leg goes out though and he catches him and that is he a foul because yeah, it brings him but, down. But by the minuscule amount of contact, for me personally, I don't think there's enough. The issue then came when Steven Gerrard came out with his comments after the match saying that he heard the fourth official actually say foul, 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 foul. Then Colm's closer, so he's got a better view. Colm's obviously, he's obviously heard it but he thinks he's got a better view of the situation and which he probably did because he said after the game that the referee cost him the game and he's been slagged off for high heaven for for intimating that now i can't speak for him i don't think he means that they cost him the game i think he realizes celtic was a better team he said they were good when you're not playing for a draw but when you're playing this defensive counter-attack strategy trying to keep it tight so you can get into the game in the final bit a single error or mistake didn't decide the game it can decide the league it can decide a career so that one thing right and I th- I can see exactly why that has not been given as a foul, but I think it is a foul. It's gone against them. It's fine, so they were done. But it he's not saying that that is the reason the Rangers were <laughs> they didn't touch the ball did, in the first half. Oh, all right. But in terms of the game, he he actually said the words the referee has cost us today. He said he. But would that's have what he means. He did yeah. because if that foul had gone to to Rangers, the goal isn't scored. Had Colum seen the uh, kick out at Ayer, 
from McGregor. Oh, yeah, I mean, and, he should be off and, as well. And that's yeah. 10 men, and without McGregor, Rangers is yeah. best player on the pitch. I don't think there's even need to discuss this. It would have been a second so, yellow, actually, because yeah, he got so a yellow was... later on in the game. And another thing. Moussa Dembele. Who? <laughs> He's not in Scottish football anymore. <laughs> he left. He did leave. For £19.8 million for Pastors New en Francais. Well, he wants to go and play Champions League football, doesn't he? He'll, he'll get that at Lyon. It was quite obvious that he was he was always going to be one that they brought in, let him play in the Champions League and the big games, and he'll then move on. And whether Rodgers had either promised him that or not, this was a stepping stone onto, onto something which he would see as bigger. I can definitely see why he's gone because he wants to be playing Champions League football. But he certainly the left. Way, he would miss playing against Rangers. Did you see? Yeah, yeah. Did you see what he said to to Leon in his first interview? He said that he basically forced the Celtic board to make the move happen. Well, that's why Rogers made him leave training before the Old Firm game because he he said he was putting a bad atmosphere in mm. the place, and mm. you don't want that before no. before that game. Although and there's one thing I've learned from playing too much football manager is that if he just kept him, he would soon have forgotten about it. Yeah, well, probably like Boyata is just now. Boyata's well, been. There you go. Do you know what as well? That's a lot of money to take in for him um, I know he's a good player but I don't think he's he's still raw I don't he's think still... he's worth anywhere near 20 million and also um, the money that they've missed out on not getting the Champions League they've got you know they might need that to come in from somewhere and that's massive profit I think it was about 500,000 something close to that they signed him for just under 400,000 well, it was well there you go so is, is it, do, you, do you think Celtic are going to spend some of that in January when it comes around it's, or do you think they're just going to consolidate that money, just think, bring it in and just hold on I to it? I think it'll depend if they're still in Europe. If they're still in Europe and they see a pathway in the Europa League to maybe reach the quarters or the semis or something like that, then they might spend that money. I think Celtic will be fine with uh, Edward and, and Griffiths for domestic games. It's, I think it's going to be purely if, if uh, they're still in Europe after Christmas. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Now, we talked about the referee decision that um, didn't send Doom off, mm-hmm. but did you see the wonderful piece of refereeing by Craig Thompson, the magician, yeah. in Aberdeen versus Kilmarnock? Yeah, exactly. I think the first five minutes of the game, and he sends off Michael Devlin, doesn't he? Yeah, for... what do you think of this? So, let's describe the incident first. So uh, yeah, so it's... it's first... The ball is wildly punted in mm-hmm. the air into mm-hmm. the channel... Uh, Michael Devlin is back. He's got Shea Logan, another not other side of the pitch, which is it's about forty yards away from the goal. Mm-hmm. Brophy is there. Brophy goes down, and the referee shows a red card. Now, it's not even a foul, I don't think. Um, I think it's I think it's a foul from both parties. You, yeah. The first foul is from Eamon which, Brophy, yeah, which is from the, the shark tug, and then <laughs> and and actually Eamon Brophy's pull on the sh- on on he, Devlin's shot yeah, is more than Devlin's. So it's a, it's a foul for Aberdeen to begin with. What I think is most important is for all referees looking after football games is that there's, there's a game management issue. I don't think Scottish referees at the moment manage games as well as they could do. Scottish refereeing is um, terrible across the board. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think... The, Horrendous. The, the, what they have to do is think, what what am I doing? What How am I influencing this game with this decision? Now, if we look at it and think, is he the last man? Is he the last man? I don't think he is, especially when you look at it, no. maybe 30 yards still to go on goal. It's not a goal-scoring opportunity yeah. for me. No, it's not. I, th- I think he was one of the last... He- 
I think he might have been last man, but it was definitely wasn't. A, it's not a goal scoring opportunity when he, you still got 30, 40 years. And you still have you still have another defender that can come yeah, across. Yeah, like Shea so, Logan. Shea Logan's him. coming across, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. Shea Logan's definitely got it covered. Constantine maybe could make it. Mm-hmm. Um, forget the the tug pull by Brophy on on, on Devlin. I agree. I think right? it's irrelevant. I, I, ignore that and I ignore the slightest of touches that it, that um, Devlin does on Brophy. Brophy goes down like a skittle, like he's been bowled. And he, he falls to the floor and he throws, he wins it. I totally get it. It's gamesmanship. He's won his free kick. I think it'll be fine. And getting a red card for that is it's just it's ruined the game. <laughs> well, yeah, this is why this is why my point is that referees their job is to manage the game of football and manage the entertainment level of it as well. But you send, say, if it's you a... send someone off in the first five minutes, then you you've got good paying punters came to watch a good game of football, and you've now just completely that's never an argument though, isn't it? Because well, well, of course, but I still think the point is that referees need to look at it from an entertainment value, and all he needed to do in that situation well, they definitely provide that. Well, all he needed to <laughs> do was go and speak to Michael Devlin and say it's first five minutes I'm going to let you off with that but you need to be aware the next foul is a, is a yellow I'm I not going to let you. I'm not going to give you a couple of fouls and then warn you that this is your final one straight away because that's I'm not having that in this game let's go into the game though right Aberdeen have been really poor this season I think they're nowhere near close to where they were last season yet it looks a bit disjointed and it's been very pragmatic defensive approaches from McInnes that said they were reduced straight away into a 4-4-1 the rest of the game I never really got out but that doesn't excuse how poor they were with the ball for the rest of the game. Yeah, and I think it, for Kilmarnock to win 2-0 away from home is a fantastic result yeah, for them they, and Steve Clark. They, they never beat Aberdeen usually. I think no, it was like six years, I yeah, think it was. Like yeah. McInnes had won the 16 out of the last 18 Aberdeen-Kilmarnock games. It's... They've been tight games in the past as well. And, and this as well, Brophy was excellent. The free kick he hits yeah. is absolutely superb. It's clever. What did you think about the way Lewis set up you know, the wall, and, and surely well, he must have been dictating where where the players needed to be. I mean, I'm not a goalkeeper. I don't know how to set up a wall, but I think that's... I mean, clearly, Shinny, if he'd been at the side of it rather than not really marking anyone, you're not going to play a through ball into the box there, are you? So what are you marking? And you think... He, he must have something in his mind that he's really watching out for. Maybe they've seen something in training, a little routine that they're worried about. Shinny should be to the left of the wall, and if he's there and jumps, and he's always committed and jumps for it, that ball comes off his heed and flies away. <laughs> Instead, Brophy rockets it top corner. Ended up going in bottom corner. Goes up and down. It was, it was the actually, best kind. It was a really good free kick as well. The way that it swerves into the side net, you realise instantly that the goalkeeper was never going to see yeah. that. And Aberdeen didn't create much. McGinn had a really good free kick. There wasn't an awful lot there. Um, Stevie May, he rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. He is just nowhere near the player that he should be. He was lost a lot. He's doing the solo thing again, but he's just not quick enough. He's not quick to accelerate. He doesn't read it enough. His touch isn't good enough. I really want him to be good. I really desperately want Stevie May to be as good as he was when he was at St. Johnston. Bruce Anderson came on and did more in about 15, 10 minutes something like that than Stevie May's done all season. Do you think he looks better as a front man for a band rather than for a <laughs> uh, I don't want to... Uh, like, Stevie May is... There's something, I don't know what it is that's holding them back. Maybe it's the way the Aberdeen are playing. They're not getting the ball into his feet. Maybe he's they, not wanting to chase it. They don't have the same amount of creative players now. They, like, they've, they've lost Kenny McLean, they've lost Christie, who were creative attacking players, and they just don't have that anymore. And they, but maybe they it's scoring so... with them in the team either. Yeah. But no, what about that. Gary mckay Stephen and Niall McGinn? Yeah. These are creative midfielders. But they're yeah. wingers, they're wingers, and they're putting balls into the box, and Stephen May's not going to score with a header. He needs to run onto the ball off the shoulder of a defender, but then he's, that's what I mean, he's not really got that pace. Do you know Eamon Brophy's called the Wolf? Yes. Do you know why? Because he likes to get fouled. (laughs) 
Davis to take this. 1-0. Bit of a somersault over his head. Delighted about that. And Aberdeen go 1-up. Let's move on. Speaking of Aberdeen still, the Totally Scottish Football Show spoke to a Scottish legend last week, not just for the Dons and for Celtic, but he had a good career as a Celtic manager as well as the national team. JJ and I tasked our English producer, Charlie, to speak to the man himself, Gordon Strachan. Don't blow it, Charlie. Obviously, you're no longer Scotland manager, so don't have these kind of selection headaches to... Nobody told me that. When did that happen? <laughs> you don't have these uh, selection headaches yeah. to... Uh, Thank to goodness work. for that. I would have turned up on Sunday at the <laughs> If you were in selection mode, which, which kind of players have, have impressed you at the start of this season? Absolutely. The, the, the top one's Ryan Fraser. I've seen him live in the fourth game of the, the season. And he was the best player on the pitch at uh, Bournemouth, Cardiff. People know him as a wide man. He played in the in about 25 yards from the line to run out. And, and he gave him a real problem. Not only his positional play, but when he picked the ball up, he was fantastic. He'd go by people. Again, he's another one who's winners of the Scotland squad. Fantastic. The players loved his work rate. They loved his enthusiasm. And I love his professionalism. He reminds me of uh, Sean Maloney, who played for Celtic, Aston for a little bit again. Just dedicated to the game. The game comes first. The hard work he's putting as a kid is coming to fruition now. Like most top pros, they, people look at him and think, that's hard work. But he just thinks it's normal. Uh, and the more people we can get like him through in the game, then the game's got to be easier. Because you can talk about systems all you want, and lists and theories and philosophies, but um, you've got people like him you become a better manager. Is it fair to say he's he's something of a late developer in the sense of obviously he, I don't think he made his debut for Scotland until he was 22, 23, something like that. And like, like you say, it's coming to fruition now. Well, that's now. not too bad. 22 is not too bad. I was 23 before I made my debut for Scotland. So um, physically, I had to work out his shape to get into the, the Bournemouth team and he's done that. He also is in a good Bournemouth team. He was in and out of the team, but, but I think just now, at this point in time, he's, he's basically a, a regular and a good Bournemouth team. It's no embarrassment to be left out sometimes in that Bournemouth team, but he's now a regular and he's now realising how important he is without the arrogance there. I just think that he realises how important he is and it's given him confidence to be even better. Someone that could go on to become a great defender and uh, someone you've uh, probably seen uh, coming through the ranks in Scotland is uh, Scott McKenna. What have you made of him so far? Well, to be fair, I didn't see much of him because he only came to uh, prominence after I left the Scotland job. Uh, I think it was, I think it could be a couple of weeks before or after right, he came to the Aberdeen team. Aberdeen went to Motherwell and, and Motherwell beat them and beat them well. I think uh, Derek must have thought wholesale changes are needed in defence here. They brought young Scott in. So Scott come in has been fantastic. I've spoke to Willie Miller, who's a, a, was one of the best defenders I've ever worked with. He was Aberdeen captain when I played there. And he says him regularly and thinks, this is, you know, this is the real deal. It's unfortunate for me, the Scotland manager, because I could have done well in the last two years, but <laughs> that's life. <laughs> I think he's a real deal. If Willie Miller thinks it's the real deal, then I'll back that up. Absolutely. And another young Scottish talent they're talking about as the real deal, someone that you did work with, I believe, John McGinn. Scottish football fans will be watching his progress at, at Aston Villa. But what, why is there so much interest and, and, and focus on him? What's his, uh, what's his USP? Well, I brought John to the Scotland team about two, two years ago, more than two years ago, two and a half years ago. When I was a kid, but he was only in the Championship at the time. People were scratching their head, why? Why are you working on this fellow in the championship? 
uh, was playing with Hibs. But I've watched him since he was a kid at St Mung, playing various positions. And I got to know him when I, I worked with under-21s for a week. I watched them for a week rather than work with them. And uh, I loved his attitude. Bill Shankly, I've seen the document Bill Shankly. Um, was talking about the assets he needed for the players when he went in. One was touch and control, other was fitness, and other was you have to be a good man. Well, John is a good man. He was a terrific kid um, who radiates around people, makes people feel good about themselves. But the most important thing, he can play. He's a powerhouse. You know, he can drive with the ball, he can tackle. And uh, I've been fortunate to see him live at Aston Villa recently. Crowd love him. Players love him. Manager thinks he's fantastic. So he's a great asset for the Scottish national side. Not the most subtle of players. Most of it's power, but he gets through games. He's got the ability to score goals. He's got the ability to make a crowd. I've seen the crowd at Aston Villa. 35,000 getting the feet after the tackle, which is great. He has that honesty about him. So he'll be a good ambassador for the Scottish game in England, that's for sure. Thanks a lot, Gordon. Picking up on Ryan Fraser, lads. Um, he's been phenomenal for Bournemouth this season. and He was very good last year as well. But um, I got a little bit of insight into him as a player when he first came down because he was at Aberdeen, wasn't he? He was, yeah. And um, Eddie Howe signed him. It's an Aberdeen loon. And um, last season, I spent a bit of time with Swan Jalal, who was the goalkeeper from Macclesfield, um, who subsequently went on to win the National League title last season. And he was telling me he was at Bournemouth for two seasons, getting two promotions. And, and Ryan Fraser came down during that time. And what's really fantastic for him is the impact Eddie Howe's actually had on his career so when he came down and I don't know if you know this story but apparently Fraser's diet was atrocious I can believe Uh, that um, I know there has been a few articles on apparently he was a bit of a mummy's boy and he used to love a Friday night pizza and whatnot before a game or whatnot (laughs) his his diet wasn't great and um, Ryan Fraser's turned it around and that's mostly in part to Eddie Howe so he was basically stalking him (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and not not in a bad way but he would phone him in the morning and say are you up are you ready to come to training what have you had for breakfast what have you had cereal no I've had steak it's like, no don't have steak yeah. steak for so, breakfast I don't know I'm, I'm, That's what I'm making up a do. wee bit but you know it's that kind of thing he is trying to engineer Fraser's diet try to get him into a regime that makes him fit healthy and ready for match day and I think that's a credit to Eddie Howe I, think, I don't know how much that happens in you know other Scottish teams or any other teams where a manager takes a real important role in a specific, yeah, yeah I think that's really special and I think good, good, good on Ryan Fraser for playing so well for Bournemouth and now he's in the Scotland team he's, what an improvement he's, yeah. yeah he's phenomenal you're one of the better players in the, in the English Premier League this season yeah but another big story in Scotland for the national team we've got a new captain yeah Andy, Andy Robertson. Robertson ah at the same time you can't speak now Jinx <laughs> there we go <laughs> play ground rules love yeah. it uh, yeah 33 what do you year. what do you think uh, fine does it really matter if the captain you need to have loads of captains really you're just saying that's fine I don't think the captain matters that much anymore it means you're doing stuff like press stuff to the <laughs> to the press you're doing that you're you're representing the team he's probably the, one of the best players on the team if not the best his rise from Queen's Park to being Liverpool's phenomenal left back he's a cult hero final. now really already yeah. oh yeah and he's been ace in the Premier League as well like he's just does everything you want to do. He treats himself right. He looks after himself. He's continually improved. And now he's one of the better defenders and attacking players, actually. He spends most of the time in the opposition box for Liverpool. Yeah, it's a very attacking yeah. left back. But on the, on the pitch, you need more than just one captain. It doesn't matter if you just got the one. I mean, you've got... I hope John Souter gets a game. He's stepping up. He was captain mm-hmm. for Hearts during the week. 
Um, there'll be a few. That I can't think of any off the top of my head right now. I mean, Scott Brown's not playing anymore, so you need people to. He had McKenna captain as the for the South American. Ah, uh, that's true. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, do you not think it's that inspiring then? I think, I mean, if I was handed the captaincy, I'd be very proud. And I think Andy Robertson should be very proud. And I am very, very pleased for him. But the grand, it's not, it's fine. It's good. I mean, do you really think it matters that much? Yeah, I think it does. I think cool. I think good. it's a great thing for, for, for the Scottish national team to have someone like Andy Robertson. I think his story is um, phenomenal. Do you think he's much of a leader? Uh, do you get that impression? Well, I think he's surrounded by, you know, leaders at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. he's, he's, I think just his journey in general can, can breed a leader out of him. I mean, I know that Scott Brown was, was Celtic captain at quite a young age as well, I think about mm-hmm. 24. But you can grow into that role. Yeah, and, and Andrew Robertson's 24 now. And if he can be fit for the rest of his career and play for Scotland and be that icon for the team, yeah. because Scotland needs an icon and Scotland needs heroes. And I think he's the perfect and candidate for it. And you need to raise it. a level and you have to have someone who demands that level of you. And when you're playing for a team like Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp, you have to be at a certain level. You don't reach Champions League if you are not good and Andy Robertson is an excellent player. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Let's talk about Livingston. They're up to fourth. Yes. I can't believe they're up to fourth in the Premiership. They beat Hibs 2 1 uh, on Saturday. That is nuts. Yes. They were really good for it as well. Mm, um, deserved it. It's a bit of a capitulation from Hibs in the second half. I don't want to say the Hibs did, because <laughs> that's kind of dated. But they really just didn't show up, and Neil Lennon was furious in his post-match interview. Um, he said, it's unacceptable from my view. Actually, he took responsibility for it, so it was his fault. I don't know. Um, what, was that with just team selection? or I don't know how it's his fault. The players just didn't come out and didn't really... They, they, were... took, they took the lead, didn't they? They, they went 1-0 up. Yeah, they were 1-0 up, yeah. Scrappy goal. Um, Byrne scored the equaliser. Mm-hmm. Beautiful goal, some chopping in from the left. Choppy, choppy. Choppy, chop, chop. Uh, really good finish as well, but it's poor defending. And also, he shouldn't be finding that space if they've got wing backs. That it shouldn't be the right wing back should have been looking after him there. It just seemed like the Hibernian defenders weren't willing to just stand up to the ball. They were actually, you know, trying to. They were diving. They were diving lot. to block the. And, and if they were just standing, waiting for the shot, maybe that would have helped. No, I, I agree. Um, so Livy were they've been playing this three-five-two kind of shape with Holt. It's what they were doing before when they came up. Hibs were well, they matched them. And we're solid, good in the first half. Hibs are really good on attacking. I, mm. I really like watching them. But their defensive positioning and the way they just lunged into challenges with no... Lost the heeds a wee bit. The second goal, controversy with this one, because um, Lennon sent on um, Agupong as a substitute. Changed his shape a bit. I think he went to a back four, maybe, or put four midfield. Something like that. Livy's just restart play really quickly. Mm-hmm. I think it's a throw-in and they don't think the whistle... Yeah, they're not set. The referee's not blowing the whistle. Yeah, so they're, they're not in shape. So effectively, they're in transition, which is the most dangerous position you can possibly be in football. <laughs> but then that's how they that's how they score. And it's just a total rammy where folk are diving in and uh, the finish is wonderful. Smashed past the goalkeeper. That's Scott Pittman's goal, wasn't it? That is correct. Yeah, so Sean, Sean Byrne got the first. Scott Pittman got the second. And it is, it's one of those where, you know, Hibs are tipped for top six finish, okay, maybe yeah. even top three. But Levy can take so much from this. They are performing far above what we thought they would. They're doing what they're best at and doing it very well. It won't work all season, I don't think, because they'll get beaten by better teams. Well, can I can I then just bring up? I'm I'm so sorry, but <laughs> the pitch. God, yeah. bring, God, bring up it's the a pitch. Pl- it's a plus for them, isn't it? Because teams aren't going to like going there, and it's going to be a bit different. It's it's not just a 
3G or 4G surface or whatever they call it, a plastic pitch it's like Hamilton. It, it, yeah, it's <laughs> it, this it's completely different. It's yeah, it's a ball pit. Like, I know. thought it was interesting. Uh, Michael Stewart said he was on uh, Sports, I think, and he says yeah. he walked over the, the pitch. Um, after the game, and he said, "Your foot never feels comfortable. It's like your foot's rocking." Yeah, so many like, balls. yeah, you you can't actually. Yeah, it's just odd. I can imagine. I kind of feel like they just got a, a year's supply of those black balls. Not even a year, a lifetime supply of those black balls, and just thought, oh, "Let's just chuck it all on." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have to rake this again and again. Just throw it. It could, it could well be, and I think because you saw like um, I know Hanlon and Porteous there's a couple, a couple of times when they're sort of stepping into tackles that. Almost like they were diving in slow motion. I keep bringing up video games this time, but you know when you push tackle at the wrong time in one of those video games and they mm. tackle off the ball? It's sort of like what they were doing. And I wonder <laughs> whether a foot's a little bit stuck in it. I can't make up excuses for them. They were poor. It was their positioning. And how they how, how do you prepare for a game like that? If, if you know that the pitch is going to be not a pitch that you're normally used to, how do you I, I actually? Think you can. I think uh, for, for games against Hamilton and uh, Kilmarnock, they can prepare by most. A lot of uh, teams have their own three G pitches anyway for for training. But for the, the sports yeah, village, don't they? But yeah, yeah. For, for this one, it's just I, I don't think you can prepare for it. But I don't know if you've ever played five sides or eight aside on a new pitch like that. And it is it is like that, and it just takes time for little rubber pellets to, to eventually yeah to settle and just go as well. But <laughs> that's that's on a pitch in like London, which has been played on four times a day or yeah. four times a night. Mm-hmm. This is getting played on what once every two weeks. And well, the, the, the 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 yeah, it, it is used more. But I totally understand. Still, uh, I've not been on the pitch, so I can't. Yeah, I can't say no, it looks yeah, funny. We can uh, just go by what it looks like. <laughs> you can sort of work out where things have happened because of the trail they've left by the balls. Probably makes a difference if you're a professional footballer and you want to play in grass. That's it. Just beat them. Just win. Let's look around the grounds now. It's our man Craig Anderson with the headlines from the Championship, League One and League Two. Stephen Dolby must have really enjoyed me talking about his hat-trick last week, so he only went and did it again. And more. The Queen of the South striker is on a real hot streak as he bagged four in the Dunhamers 5-0 thrashing of league leaders Air United on Saturday. The 35-year-old now in an eye-watering 18 goals already this season. That's right, 18. Smashed three in the space of eight minutes in the first half, one of which a penalty to put Gary Naismith's side in charge. Gary Harkins added a fourth on 37 minutes, but Dobie's 84th minute strike after Airsaw Daniel Harvey sent off completed the route. He did his best to take the spotlight off new Falkirk manager Ray McKinnon, who spent his last game in charge of Morton losing to Ross County last week, so he did it again, this time as the boss of the Bairns, replacing the departed Paul Hartley. While Morton seethed over his exit, McKinnon focused on his new job but couldn't lift Falkirk, who slumped to their fourth defeat in this 2-0 loss to County in Dingwall. Jimmy Lindsay and Declan McManus were both on target in a victory that saw them return to the top of the championship, deposing air, but Falkirk remained at the foot of the table. In League One, it's tightening up with seven points separating top from bottom as Arbroath and Wraith Rovers lead the way after five games. Arbroath were held 2-2 by Brecon City at Gayfield and saw a two-goal first-half lead clawed back by the Glebe Park outfit. Jason Thompson put them in front after only two minutes with Bobby Lynn adding a second on 19 minutes and it looked good for the Red Lichties. As we all know, 2-0 is a dangerous lead and Andy Jackson wasn't in the mood to mess about as he scored twice in the space of five minutes in the second half to rescue a point for Brecon. Joining our broth in the higher echelons of League One is Wraith Rovers, who hit four for Athletic for four without reply at Starts Park. Kevin Nisbet, two from Lewis Vaughan and one from Chris Duggan, sealed the points as the third tier at this early stage turns into something of a dogfight. 
Meanwhile, Edinburgh City top League 2 after taking three points and a 1-0 win over Peterhead, who are just behind them in second place now. The only goal of the game came courtesy of Blair Henderson scoring on 52 minutes as City continuing to enjoy a good start to the season, winning four of their opening five so far. And an Athletic suffered a first league loss of the campaign but remain in third place despite going down 2-1 to Clyde at the Gallabank. David Goodwillie scored after 10 minutes to open the scoring for the Bully Wee but was cancelled out by Tony Wallace. Ali Love struck what proved to be the winner on 56 minutes as Clyde moved to fourth place, just three points behind Edinburgh City as the league campaigns take a week off for Challenge Cup duties next Saturday. Thanks Craig. As you mentioned, it was a four-goal haul for Stephen Dobby as Queen of the South took apart Air United in the Championship. It was Dobby's third hat-trick of the season, the second weekend in a row that he's taken home the match ball. The former Swansea and Blackpool man is the top scorer in all of British football and he joins us now. Welcome Stephen Dobie, how are you? Yep, not too bad, thanks. You must be You must be delighted after, after the weekend's performance. Yeah, it was a great performance, but... Obviously, I've scored the goals, but it's a lot of work from the people and the players behind us to to get the ball into the area. So it was a good team performance. Yeah, talk, talk to us about the game. Obviously, it finished five 0 You were up against a really strong Air United team who have started so well this season. What what were the preparations for a game like that? Yeah, we obviously we've seen the boys Shanklin's been scoring a lot of goals, and they they actually didn't concede a lot of goals. So. To work on how we were going to try and break them down and obviously they scored a lot of goals so how we were going to stop them and how we tried to nullify uh, Shankland mm. to little chances so it ended up as one of the days it worked perfect. I know you missed a penalty but did you yeah. know about the fan that was running on the pitch? <laughs> did you no, I didn't see that but I have seen a few videos <laughs> after it. I think... Uh, I think he, he took a nasty fall, but at least he was uh, he was cheering that I'd missed it. He's yeah, tackled by a ghost, I think, on the way in. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was, it was funny because it was a near United fan, and he was obviously trying to put you off. You've scored 18 goals a season, right? Have you seen yeah. any, including your own, that are anywhere close to how good Gary Harkins's was? <laughs> Gary, no. Yeah, that's what I've said to a lot of people that obviously I've admired Gary. I've played against him so many times. But it isn't actually till you, you start training with him that you actually see how good he is. And he, hopefully he'll continue scoring goals like that he did on Saturday for us. Why is it you think you've been so successful in front of goal with Queen of the South when you've travelled into a few different clubs and never been quite as prolific? Do you think there's a reason for it? I'm not sure. I think, obviously, a lot of people say that you get certain places that you just feel more comfortable at. And... Um, it seems like Queen of the South is that. But like the likes of the encouragement, like I've scored a lot of goals against Falkirk, so when I go to play against Falkirk, I don't know if it's a psychological thing that I, I think I'm going to score more than I would against someone else. So I think it's just a good place for me to play my football. I saw you were quoted as saying you would only leave Queen of the South for Rangers. Um, and, and, and it's it's one of those I'm actually more I just think it's because I'm actually from Dumfries I'm from the area and I want to know like yeah. why why is why is like Queen of the South so close to your heart it's because you've just had such a great time there as a player but is there anything else that you enjoy about the area or the club yeah I mean the, the first time I came I, I think it was kind of my last kind of chance at full time football and the, the success we had there mm. getting to the, the Scottish Cup final and playing in Europe and then you start to get an affiliation with the, with the fans and 
I mean, coming up to Palmerston, you see the same people before the game, mm-hmm. and you start to learn their names. You get to know them, and it's it's a really uh, tight knit club. And then obviously, you get affiliation through success. So mm-hmm. I just love playing and scoring goals for the club. I would only leave for Rangers just because I was a Rangers fan as a boy, but I'm quite happy just playing the Queen of South and hopefully I can get to the Premier League with them. Because back to Doolan, he shoots, he scores! He's got his first goal of the season and he will feel over the minute with that, having just missed with a chance seconds previous. He will be the most relieved man at Fort Hill. Something's happened, what's going on here? I don't think this is counting for some reason. Throw it, what's he given? What on earth is he given? I have not a clue what he's given here. He's, given, he's signaling for a throw-in, but I've no idea how in any world that could possibly be the, the correct decision. <laughs> OK, so as Craig mentioned, Partick Thistle beat managerless Morton 1-0 in the Championship, but the controversy over Crystal and strike for Partick, it failed to be given as a goal by referee Barry Cooking's assistant. Madness. It's the worst. I cannot... I don't. I, it's made me think differently about how the world operates. <laughs> what you, you said a couple of weeks ago that we were actually in the Matrix and the Matrix is real. Do you think it's? Um, no, because we're still alive, and then <laughs> it would have broken the Matrix if that was. Yeah, it doesn't mean any. How they're the only two people in the entire world, the universe, the many parallel dimensions we may or may not live in that think. That wasn't the goal. It hits the back it, of the net. It hits the net. That's the most baffling part of it. I, I just everyone turns around. Yeah. Defender hoops it out. It goes yeah. for a throw in. They give a throw in, and I think the funniest part is um, those commentators. <laughs> like, that is amazing. What? That is my favourite part of the whole thing. Is the commentators just going like, "How is it not a goal?" Because it, it's because it was a throw in because the defender booted it away in, in, frust- in frustration. Yeah. And what if often you find that defenders sometimes just booted back into the net? What, yeah, what yeah. Have done that? I want to know what the, what the conversation is between the referee and assistant referee. What have they said? He's then like, "That's a goal, right?" Well, no, no. Well, well, that that is that has to be how the conversation happened. Did you see the ball go in the net? Well, no. Well, I didn't see it either. So if you're not 100% certain... Wait, but we you... both didn't see it. So we can't give it. Oh I'd love God. to know what... <laughs> we're, we're through the looking glass. But, but you, in those... Inst- but they're celebrating, Andrew. Why are they celebrating? You know, yeah. You know when just somebody's just looking at you, like, I'm not lying for the sake of it, like, because it's just a goal. You I just, think there's no malice here at all, right? What they think they're doing is getting real justice. <laughs> they are really breaking through the through the mirror and they're trying to show you that they see what really happened here. Yeah. You know, they know the rules and they're protecting the rights of the referees association. And that ball may well have come off the back of the net and it may well have hit the ground behind the line and everyone in the ground and the players and everyone else knows it's gone in and they booted out of play because it's continued. But that doesn't mean that there wasn't a goal scored. You done? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What is quite odd is that it's actually similar to what happened in the same goal yeah. in 1993 when uh, I've, I've got it written down here Dundee United's Paddy Connolly hit the stanchion I love that I love that the word the stanchion too. is quality um, well, clearly... it bounced out in the, 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 the um, Partick Thistle um, defender Martin Clark caught the ball blah blah blah, blah. but it's the exact same thing to happen well I was actually researching this later. and it turns out sadly a referee died beneath that goalpost and that is why it's haunted and that's why goals don't get allowed there. And that's how it's a goal school. Refereeing certainly died there that day anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
on Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Oh, I understand you support uh, Motherwell. It's Motherwell, right? So, hey, congrats. You be good. Yes, congrats indeed if you are a Motherwell fan. And the Steelmen were good on Saturday. They were. Um, do you know what really helped them? They were playing Dundee and... Yeah. Again, really harsh in Dundee, but they are so, so poor. Yeah, it was 3-1 to Motherwell. It's, um, at least Dundee got a goal. It's a collection of strangers on the pitch. <laughs> it, it's, um, there's no cohesion whatsoever. He had Miller and, uh, and Chalman. Like it, it looks like it's pronounced Colman, but it's Chalman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a couple of chances and he also scored. He scored a goal for Dundee. Yeah, it's four defeats in four for Dundee. We should go through it properly. I don't. It's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, no, you can't, you can't just say. I can't just say that they're bad and then slag them off and yeah, then move on, right? So the shape is like a. It's like a four-four-two diamond. Mm. So that needs width from the fullbacks that have to come up. Uh, he didn't get any of that until they put Calvin Miller on their loan signing from Celtic, from Celtic out, yeah. right? So he came on. He was really good on the left wing. He kept getting forward into really advanced positions. Now Jack Hamilton had a bit of a poor game, I would say. The defending by Meekins to header a ball oh, for yeah. no reason he's got about 20 yards of space like a circle around him and he headers the ball to take it down again I, I I'm not a professional footballer I can't tell him what to do why is he not composed enough to take the ball down well it's his reaction afterwards as well when he headers it he actually looks around to everyone going like what's going on <laughs> like it's his fault you need to keep right, it take yeah. it down and McCann wants him to play football from the back so what's McCann supposed to do he's telling them like keep it play it keep the ball keep possession move up the pitch and as a team and they're not doing it there could well be things behind the scenes that Kamara didn't even get a in the squad mm. um, Stephen Cocker I know he's had his um, well his actual well, he's gone. serious yeah, troubles gone. off the ball in the past he's gone uh, no he's gone yeah mm. that's the thing so he's terminated his contract so it's so bad that he's left hopefully he's alright I know he's had issues before yeah you're talking about his um, mental health issues absolutely he's, yeah. he's had so, depression in the past hopefully he's, he's absolutely fine has yeah. he not left due to did he not fall out with well, apparently, okay. yeah. Well, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that seems to be the story. Um, I think Rosenberg put a million yeah, pounds in for him and Dundee completely the threw it into the bin. Um, but yeah, there's something not growing right there. Patrick Barkley, our friend, he said on Twitter, Dundee looked like the Scottish Sunderland. He thinks they could even struggle to stay up in the championship. That's how he thinks. There are some better teams in the championship than Dundee. Oh, Dundee are in trouble. Them and St. Mirren are in real trouble. Let's talk Hamilton St. Johnston. 2-1 for Tommy Wright. Seven points from a possible 12 for them. They're looking good last year and even the last couple of years. They've always been like a cagey kind of team. But now they look a lot more dynamic. They've got fast players. They've got players of pace now. And Tony Watt will score a few goals for them as well. I thought McMillan was probably their best player on the day. Yeah, he got the second, didn't he? He scored a header from, from the far post, but that's what he was brought in for from yeah. Dundalk. He was unlucky last year with injuries, but mm-hmm. he, you know he's him and Tony Watt are both scoring, and I think that's the most um, really exciting thing for St Johnston fans. Hamilton were panicking too much. It was too much of a rammy, again, kind of dice roll football. You put the ball in the box, and they weren't really clearing their lines very well. Um, poor tracking of men running in the box. Individual errors all over the place. They, they didn't look solid, and Hamilton need to play better than they are to get results this season. They play a three-five-two, but it's mostly uh, you know it's wing backs is where their chances are created. It's wide, and they put the ball into some big lads up front to try and win second balls. Yeah. And Ziggy Gordon in there, who's who's mm-hmm. done well in the past. Yeah. He's a good player. Yeah, sure, but you got to have a way to create your chances, and if you're 
a method is to get the ball wide, put it into the box, and win second balls. You need to be intense. You need to be at it all the time, like properly pushing. You have to push up and follow it and uh, be really organised to keep that going. And it just didn't work. By the way, we should um, wish good luck to Scotland women. Amazingly, it's brilliant, this. Um, they got a record crowd of over 4,000 that watched them win their World Cup qualifier with Switzerland on Thursday, which is fantastic. Shelley Kerr, uh, her side travel to Albania on Tuesday, needing a win to keep their hopes of reaching the finals in France alive. Imagine Scotland in a World Cup. It'd be amazing, wouldn't oh, it? Oh, God. We should all go. I think that'd be good. <laughs> let's go now. Yeah, let's do it. Um, but also, you've got the Scotland men taking on Belgium on Friday in a wee friendly. But they also play Albania on Monday. So We've gone Albania crazy. That's it for this show. We just have to say thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and make sure you check out our other football podcasts, the Totally Football League Show with Caroline Barker and, of course, the Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Mm-hmm.